You're now listening to the Lone Wolf. Lone Wolf. Lone Wolf. The Lone Wolf Podcast. Me and my friends have a friend called Michael. Me and my friends. Well, me and my friends have a message for you, Michael. Me and my friends. Well, come on, Michael. Push a little harder. Try a little more. Get your feet on the floor. Come on, Michael. You can make it if you want to. It's just not the same without you. All right, so everyone, uh, and there's actually people surprisingly listen to this in Sweden and the UK. It's really weird. God, nice. God bless the internet. But uh, and shout shout out to those people. Like I wish I knew who you are, but whoever you are in Sweden and the UK, I appreciate it. Like that blows my mind that people even outside of like Alton, Illinois, actually care to listen to my podcast. But uh, sorry, Josh. <laughs> Uh, today we have on Josh Harum. Is that how you pronounce it? Yep. Okay. Sorry if I... If I Harum, that's it. Harum, okay. Um, yeah. Do you care if you just entered, like, what you're all about? Sure. Sure. Uh, Josh Harum. I'm a filmmaker, cinematographer, photographer, musician, uh, a leader of a church in St. Louis called sure. Kingdom Church, and uh, husband mm. to Hannah. Most importantly. Yeah. And uh, that's about it. Oh, that's <laughs> that's a lot to unpack enough. there. That, that, that kind of sounds like me. I'm like I'm like you, but without hair. <laughs> I wish we were filming this, but yeah, I have to get jacked. I'm, I'm, I might be going next year as Bane. Um, oh, nice! All my stuff includes masks. My my mask my costume this year. I was either going as the Night King from Game of Thrones, or my usual. I go as uh, Tom Cruise and Eyes Wide Shut. I don't know if you've ever seen that. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I love it. Dude. Is that what you were dressed up as in I those was. photos? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just, I don't know. It's Well, I have a little bit of Italian blood in me. So. Kubrick is a little too much for me. Really? Like, oh, not, he's not, one of my not, favorites. Not some of like, I mean, I love his style and his, like, I mean, he's one of the most creative directors of all time, but, like, that Eyes Wide Shut movie, I just had to turn it off. I was like, this is too much You for know, me. okay, yeah. The scene, I know which scene you're talking yeah, about. I can that's see. that's where I turned it off. No, I could see... To me, I'm like at some point, like he. I feel like you're just like he's just perverted and yeah, and gross. And so, but like I watched all of The sure. Shining. That I mean, yeah, that no, movie is amazing. And there's some things in there, like the whole thing with the pig head that that one shot. But you remember? No, there's like this like guy with like a pig head on, and he's like giving another. Oh like, yeah, no, it's it's a guy dressed up as a as a bear. Or, or is it like a ba- some kind or of weird bunny. or something? I know exactly the shot you're talking about. It's, <laughs> it's through, weird. It's through the door. Through the door, and yeah. And pops up, and then Danny's like, oh, and my it's God. It's just weird as crap. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like that's probably a symptom of the whole, like... He probably has a metaphor. Like, he's probably... Yeah. He's probably, like, it's... It's one of it's the most... symbolizing fun- something else, like, in the story. Sure. But, like, to me, I'm just like, that's just weird. But, I like, agree. I got through the whole Shining, and, like... I think it, I think it's a brilliant film. Oh yeah, um, Stephen King, of course, didn't like it. He's <laughs> so stupid. I've been to the original place where the, the Stanley sh- Hotel. Yeah, the Stanley Hotel. Dude, Estes uh, Park is Estes Park. Yeah, have you been there? It's heaven on earth for me, dude. <laughs> That's awesome. I, I went there this year. We, we were supposed to go to Glacier in Montana, but it was snowed over, so we went to Rocky Mountain National Park instead, and we stayed in the cottage. Yeah, or uh, I guess cottage is that what it's called? Like the wood. Yeah. The house is built of like log cabin. We stayed in a cabin in Estes Park and dude, it is 
It's my favorite part, my favorite place to go in Colorado, hands down. It's beautiful. It's just that perfect mix mixture of like mountain town, but also it feels, because it's kind of touristy, it feels like a city. Mm. I love it, dude. I didn't, my bad, I I didn't dress it. up for Halloween, so. I do, just because it's fun, honestly. I know I'm going to get work? to a point. I did, yeah. So did you work in that uh, your costume? No. Oh. No, just because I don't, I remember last year they were saying that Alden had like a, a law at least for Halloween, that you didn't, like, you can't wear masks at a business. Really? F- just in case someone gets robbed. Oh. Uh, yeah, just for, like, safety reasons. That makes sense. And plus, I wear a Venetian mask that he wears, and yeah. there isn't a mouth hole for it, so it would just be kind of, like... Weird. I'd have to really project my voice, which was fine, but it might sound weird. Yeah. And But I really, yeah, I, I wish I could have, because it, it's it's creepy. <laughs> it's, like, it's traditionally Venetian, and I even though I'm Italian, I come from Rome, but... uh. I have a little bit of Italian blood in me. Um, yeah, it's traditional Venetian, but it's also when you put a black cape on it and anything that mimics the human face just creeps people out. Yeah. So, yeah, there's there's multiple reasons why I wanted to wear it but couldn't. But, uh, yeah, I guess let me just – is uh, I guess I'll just transition into sure. one of my questions. Um, besides all the filmmaking stuff, like obviously God is is, I mean, most important in our lives and like – a little bit of me personally, I, I like to pray because I mean God is the creator, mm-hmm. so I like I like to pray to God to just give me a little bit of, like a tinge of His creativity and let mm-hmm. me be a channel of Him. But uh, I'll just give you a little bit of story about my kind of upcoming as a Christian. I didn't really have, like I said, I lived under a boulder. Um, <laughs> uh, I live. I my buddy makes a joke. He's like, "Oh, do you live under a rock?" He's like, "Under the rock of Christ." He just makes like a bad joke about that, but. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I went to the church when I was like in t- 10. Um, I left it in 2012. I really haven't been part of a church since. Mm-hmm. I'm more of like, I know it's kind of like a little bit taboo, but I'm more of like, I, I follow my life in Christ by the Holy Spirit. And I'm really kind of hesitant to churches, even though I do see the fruit of them. But mm-hmm. um, I was part of that for 11 years. But I, I didn't really have like, it was more just family influenced. Mm-hmm. Um but a lot of my growth honestly came after I left the church because I really dug as, because I was just hurt and confused. It was very controlling. I won't say the name of them. This is kind of how controlling. You don't have work. to say the name because it's a lot of people's experience. No, so you're they, true. All the your listeners will just fill in their name of their church. No, you're no, you're a right. lot of church experiences. You're again. right. You know, you're right. Um, so like, say if you were going to this church and you want to date your wife now. Yeah, you'd have to tell your quote unquote teacher or discipler. That's what they call it. It's not even a real word. They would have to tell their disciple. The disciples would meet together and decide if you guys could date or not. And then I wanted to play baseball professionally. And I think if I realized how much work you had to actually had to do with anything, I could have actually went somewhere with it. But uh, they were like, "Oh yeah, if you leave the church, then your relationship with God will suffer because you're not around us." And it's so it was codependent. Yeah, it's it controlling. Really, exactly. Um, so I left. It's the spirit but, of religion. Yeah, it's 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 it's. it's it, I was. I mean, it's it, it was Pharisees. They knew they're all about what are you doing, not who are you. Yeah. How is your spirit with God? Yeah, God's always looking at the heart. Exactly. He's always looking at the heart, even in the, even in what you're doing. He's looking at why. Mm-hmm. Why are you doing it? Exactly. More. Exactly. You know, like. Even when we when we screw up, we sin. Um, mm-hmm. He's not 
mad at you about the sin. Right. He's looking at why, 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 why are you in that condition of your heart sure. that you are wanting to do X, Y, or Z? Exactly. Why are you greedy? Why right. are you, why are you lying to that person? Why mm-hmm. are you lusting after, sure. after such and such? Mm-hmm. Like he's really, he's really trying to get to the heart of it. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, me and my uncle have talked about this all the time. My uncle's like a, a wise sage. Uh, and I don't think God's offended by it because it's God's God, but in my opinion, it's limiting. I find it insulting that you're limiting the power of the cross to a town in Southern Illinois. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's just like, oh, God's only here. Then if, if you leave, then well, yeah, you're not one of the, I elect. mean, I think what, I mean, you know, to think best about our brothers and sisters in Christ, like, you know, I think what they were probably getting at is like, God didn't mean for, you know, no man is an island. Have you heard of that book? Yeah. By I mean, Thomas Merton. I haven't read it, but yeah. I've heard it. Um, so like, I mean, we're meant to be in community. The mm-hmm. disciples had even stronger community than what we mm-hmm. think is like Christian community nowadays. They like gave up all their stuff. Right. And just gave, like, imagine selling everything you have, mm. giving it to some other people to distribute the wealth of among all of you. And then you mm. live together. They lived every day together. Like, that's the real discipleship. discipleship. Mm-hmm. Like, and I've experienced that a little bit. Um, sure. If you want me to go into Yeah. It. Yeah. Because like, I, I, I was meaning to talk to you about your faith and I just. <laughs> no, no, no. I like to hear, like, your background. But, like. Sure. I guess I, what I was getting at is like, I think, you know, I'm not a huge person about like, you have to be in church to be mm-hmm. saved. Like, I think that's, I think that's something that like American Christianity is like, if you go to church, then people think you're saved, but there's a lot of unsaved people that only have a mental ascent of mm-hmm. like, I believe Jesus died on the cross, but did it really affect your life? Did it like sure. that word belief when, you know, when uh, in the Bible it says, like, if you um, confess with your mouth and believe in your mm-hmm. heart that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. Sure. That word belief is actually more of, like, trusting, mm. clinging to every day, living out. Like, I believe in Jesus that he overcame the grave, that he he conquered my sin, that he destroyed my, like, the old man, that mm-hmm. I'm born again so much that... Like, it's like that thing of like on Indiana Jones, when this is what I think of when there's that cliff and you can't see the, uh, mm-hmm. you can't see the bridge that's going across like yeah. the, not the Raiders of the Lost Ark, but the other one, the, oh uh, gosh, search for the Holy Grail. Okay. And there's that part like near the end where he has to step out and there's nothing there, uh, but like he trusts so much that there's like a bridge there that's just invisible. And that's the kind of trust we have to have in Jesus every day right. to like to be saved. Mm-hmm. And um, so that's what like to believe. But I do think that like we are meant to be in community. Like yeah. I think, you know, I think that I think that your elders of that church were right. Like, I, I mean, I'm not going to tell you how no, to live your good. life you're and good. I don't judge you because like I understand like people are hurt and you're sure. on your own journey. But like, I do think that like we are meant to be in community. It might not be the type of churches that most people can find, but like true, true, authentic community could look Mm -hmm. like you and some of your friends 
getting together, discussing scriptures, discussing how to live like a holy life Mm -hmm. and pleasing to God. That's church, you know, that's like not like you don't have to go to some service where someone preaches at you. Um, I think that's great. Like listening to teachers and like people who have wisdom and then also worshiping together with songs, hymns and spiritual Mm -hmm. songs. But Basically, my background, like, I was born as a missionary kid. Um, oh, wow. I didn't know yeah, that. Yeah, my parents uh, were in Egypt, Turkey, um, <laughs> Germany, and Austria. And so I was born in Germany, lived in Austria until I was five. They were working with Muslim refugees sure. in refugee camps. Um, and they saw people get healed. They saw people give their lives to Jesus. And, mm. and they even, you know, did some other crazy stuff like smuggle people across the border and stuff sure. like that when they're in trouble. And, but, uh, they moved home. I grew up in Indiana, Indianapolis, uh, from, from five to 15 and then moved to Birmingham, Alabama. So I've been, uh, I've been all wow. over the place, but when I was in Birmingham, that was my high school years. And that's where I really, um, just left my parents like faith. It was okay. really my parents faith. Like, uh, I believed in Jesus like since I was a kid, but it was more like, it was like a more like a mental ascent. Um, like my parents had told me I knew all the stuff and I knew I needed Jesus as a savior, but I didn't have a real legit encounter with him Hmm. till I was 19. And from ages 16 to 19, I was just running the streets with my friends, like in skateboarding, um, got into drugs, uh, dealing drugs, stealing. Um, I even like robbed a house once, like I ended up in jail twice and through a series of different uh, events that I call like just wake up calls basically from God, um, between like meeting a kid who committed suicide, um, which I might end up telling his story or something in a book, but, um, he took a bunch of LSD and, and he, and he like hung himself in his closet and, and his dad and the paramedics broke down the door and they saved him. They brought him back to life. And he's telling me this story when I was 18, he's 16. And, but he said, but now I can't eat all this stuff. I have new allergies. I have dyslexia. He can't read anymore. Um, he has all this weird things because the like no oxygen got to his brain for like five minutes. And in that moment, something inside of me said, tell him like God loves you and God still has a purpose Mm. for your life. But my brain said, well, you do LSD too. How can you say that? Mm. Like, that's what my brain told me. And I'm like, but there's something deep inside of me that was telling me, no, tell him that. Tell him God loves you. God has a purpose for your life. And my brain, so my brain told me not to say, because it was like, I do LSD too. And at that time that was like one of my drugs of choice. And so I just said, that sucks. That sucks, bro. Oh man. And and a couple of weeks later he went to jail and committed suicide. And, and that was one of my wake up calls. That was where I was like, I know the life I should be living. And it's when you live for Jesus, when you truly live out the freedom and and the power of the gospel, then you impact people mm. with, with life. Sure. Like life and death, death is in the power of the tongue. That's a real, like a lot of times that's just metaphorical or something, but it's not. It's like every time we come in contact with another person, like we either bringing them to life or to death. Sure. I mean, it might not be that day, but yeah. 
if you treat people like crap, mm-hmm. like you don't know how close they are to the end, sure. you know? Yeah. And if you, it, but if you can also impact people with right. life. So that was one of my wake up calls. Like I also, I also overdosed on ecstasy, had a, had a near death experience there. And then so I, did you do like, like, uh, like, did you actually die experience afterlife? And I didn't back? experience the afterlife. What I experienced was there, I was in so much pain. My body was overheating. Uh, that's one of the ways you can die on ecstasy, yeah. uh, there is actually a hole that burns in your spinal cord. Oh, wow. Where your body's uh, temperature regulation Mm. is, it's right like between your brain and like in your neck. And what happens is your body temperature just keeps going higher, 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 and a hole just burns right through that. I researched it. Um, And so that's one of the ways you can die on ecstasy. The other way is if you, so that's if you don't drink enough water and your body overheats. The other way is if you drink way too much water too fast then all your salt content in your blood goes to your stomach and you drown. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so you either drowned or overheat. Well, I was overheating and uh, it's oh like, it's goodness. intense. <laughs> like how I came to Jesus is intense. Uh. But, uh, but basically, um, so I was overheating. I didn't go to heaven, but my spirit was already leaving my body. I was having an out of body experience. Yeah. And so that's, and I kind of, I didn't know about all this stuff till after I got saved, but in Ezekiel, he talks about like the silver, silver cord, cord has yeah, being not severed. Been cut. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I could actually feel like a connection to my body, even though I was like 30 wow. feet above it. And my body was saying to my friend, give me a hug, give me a hug, give me a hug. I thought in my mind, if I can only hold on to one more human, maybe I can stay on this earth. Wow. And so my spirit came back to my body. And then for four hours, I had to keep drenching myself in water. Mm. And so we went to a public pool. I stood in a shower and I just kept drinking water, drinking water and letting the water run on my body. And after four hours of, sounds stupid, but urinating the MDMA out, uh, 10 times I probably went pee. Sure. Finally, my body calmed down and I was able to go back, uh, wow. go back home. But that was another wake up call. I was, it was sure. another one of those, like, I'm 18 years old. I'm not invincible. I can die and it can happen anytime. Mm. And I need to live, I need to get right with God. Sure. And so a couple, it wasn't right away. Like a, a couple months, a couple more months passed by. I kept doing drugs and whatever. Um, like I said, I went to jail after that. And mm. then finally I just had a revelation of eternity and how, mm. how short this life is and how eternity just stretches on and on and on and how easy a choice it is when you get a true revelation of eternity to give your life to Jesus fully. Mm. And I decided then and there, um, in Birmingham, I'm going to live fully for Jesus every mm. day, every moment, every second, every hour. Sure. And that's when I left America. I had to get away from my friends because I was just in this culture of drugs and, and all sorts of stuff, party culture. (laughs) And, and so I left, I went to Germany. I went to a YWAM youth with a mission, uh, base. If Mm. you know about that, um, it's a Christian organization and lived in a community instead of a church. I lived in a community where Mm. you were with people 24 seven for six months. Wow. And they taught you each week would have a different like teaching about like one week it would be about Holy Spirit. One week it would be about evangelism. One week it would be be about healing and inner healing. And so different things like that. And 
through that time, that's where I, that's where I got saved. That's where I got born again. And, um, ever after that, I never looked back. Mm. Like the Bible became real to me. The Bible wasn't a boring book anymore. I read the whole Bible in like three months from cover to cover. I just was eating it up. And after that I became a missionary to India. I lived in India a year, Germany, another year and China a year. Mm. That's, that's pretty ballsy too. In in I could be wrong. Aren't there certain parts of China where Christianity is illegal? Yeah, the whole thing. Really? Because the yeah. <laughs> the whole thing, but it's like Christianity is illegal, but I mean the church is thriving there. Like they're mm. seeing more people come to know Jesus sure. over there than we are here um, per day. Um, yeah. Jeez. But yeah, you had to be a little bit more hush hush if you're a missionary there. Like you have to. Um, you have to talk in code whenever you're like texting or so instead of saying like God, you would, yeah, because they can spy on oh like everything. So you have to talk like father wants us to do this or something like that, mm. you know, or instead of like a prayer meeting, you would probably say like something else. Like I forget how we all did it, but um, that's where I made my first film in China. Yep. Wow. That's how I got into filmmaking. It was kind of like they started getting like digital SLRs, started getting a uh, video into them. Mm. And up until then, I was a stills photographer. Sure. Um, I had been since I was like 16. Sure. So I had been doing that for like, I think like seven years by then. But uh, yep, di- digital SLRs got video and I was like, huh, I can make... I can make a film and, and a documentary seemed pretty easy to handle. It yeah. just interview people. And sure. So I made this film called hope <laughs> hope where I See, interviewed dude, people. It's an interesting story, man. I wish I could, I just stumbled <laughs> into the arts. Like I don't have, uh, I don't have these super interesting, like intricate entertaining stories to like, right off of I mean really it just was like I loved sketching as a kid mm. and then when I was 15 or 16 I picked up a camera I started yeah. shooting photos of my friends skateboarding sure and BMX and all that and mm. then when I started traveling I kind of adapted it and started doing like portraits and mm. landscapes of like cultures and and then that moved into filmmaking sure. and cinematography. So right. it's not that it's not super interesting, but I have been an artist my whole life. Um, sure. Like I always was prone to like, like sketching and drawing when mm-hmm. I was a kid. So well, I think just by nature of you living everywhere too, like the nomadic lifestyle. That's true of an artist. So that you were just like, <laughs> you're genetically predisposed, but also your nurture was like, oh, you're gonna be an artist. Yeah, you know, you got all these cultures that you could see, but also. Yeah, my brothers like yeah. actually grew up overseas more than me because I'm the youngest of four, so I kind of caught the tail end. So yeah. I don't remember. Germany. I'm the baby too. So it's I don't. Okay. I don't remember Germany or Austria that mm. much, but uh, yeah, I mean, my siblings are musicians and stuff. Um, none of none of them are real. Like none of them dabbled in the arts though, which Ooh. is interesting. Um, sure. So and now be I've been one. now I've been able to make a career. Yeah, of it. I mean, God channels. I it's crazy. Like when I'm writing and stuff and just doing creative, I I, I truly feel and I think it's God. Um, there's been times where I'm writing a script and I, I write a lot more than I planned on, and I'm like, where in the world is this coming from? Yeah, like I know my fingers are typing this, but like my my brain is in a vacuum. I'm channeling something. Yeah, greater here, and I don't know. That's a great feeling. It's like I some people call flow. it the flow state, yeah, but I, flow I, state. I I think you're just being a channel for God's wanting you to say something and to do something and you're you 
you're opening yourself to his creativity Leading. in the universe and you're channeling him. Yeah. That's what I think. I don't know. Yeah, I think I think also arts can be doorways to like gateways to people's souls. Oh, like yeah, absolutely. I've, I've thought about that because like when I was in China, we were curating an art gallery and we would have these um, sh- like art shows once a month. And the Chinese people would literally just look at the paintings or look at the photography and they'd go, do you believe in God? Mm. I wouldn't even say anything before. I wouldn't wow. even mention that we were Christians. And... But through the art, it opened their soul to a spiritual experience, and the Holy Spirit was already drawing them in. And so, so then they're like, "Do you believe in God? What wow. do you believe about God?" Like, mm. and these are atheists. Most of China, so is they atheists. even consume art in a different way, right? Like they do it in a more spiritual way. Rather no, than like no, a, I think it's just art in general. Like for example, um, I was in, I was in, I think it was Berlin, and I was walking down the ooh. street with a friend, and. And we saw this little art fair. And so we walk up to one of the photographers and, and this photographer was an amazing, like Mm. he had an amazing craft. Sure. And I think when you wield your craft, like with excellence, you can speak to like human souls through your art and, and you feel something. And so, but his, he used it in an evil way, I mm. think, because when I walked over and I saw his photography, my, my spirit just began to shake. And I, sure. I like, you know, I'm a spiritual person. So I started sensing something and mm. just by looking at an image on a piece of paper, mm. all of a sudden my spirit is shaking. My sure. inner man is just trembling. And I'm like, that is, you know, that's when I got the idea. I'm like, not the idea, but just like a revelation of like, wow, art, speaks a lot more than we think it does. And, and he he had these amazing photographs that probably took hours to set up Mm. where there was like, it was a portrait of somebody and they literally would paint, he would paint their body and it was shot. He had, he would paint their body to match the background. And so he would have like a wallpaper on the floor and he would lay his subject down and then he would probably have a ladder and he would shoot the photo straight down. Mm. And so they would blend in with the background and it was all these different people that were naked and, you know, Oh, do you know, like, were they, were their bodies forming like a a big figure, like a big, like, no, it was just like one person or whatever, but he had like them painted this like, or tattooed the same as a background. And I I can't, I can't remember what his name and, and maybe other people have done that, but I met him and I told him like, you have a real gift. You have, you have such talent, but you're using it in the wrong way. Like you're using it for evil. And I feel like a strong evil presence when I look at your art. And if the devil can use people's art for that, I was like, Christians need to know how to use our art for something higher. Sure. And, 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 and I think Christianity in Christian Christianity films have just been like corny and cheesy and we have the budget, but we have the budgets for great films. But for some reason we just keep making these films that only Christians want to watch. Yeah. And, and even then it's like well, a type it, of Christian. Like, I don't want to watch it. I don't, I didn't watch any Christian right. films like ever because I'm just like, these are, <laughs> these are horrible. And, um, instead of just making good films empowered by the Holy spirit to touch like people's hearts, to open sure. them up, uh, to the, their father, mm-hmm. we keep making just corny films and I want to yeah. change that. Well, yeah, it's kind of, they're kind of, it's an echo chamber. Like 
you're using all the lingo and all these things like, oh, people at church is going to watch. That's why I like Lecrae and Andy Mineo and Reach Records, because their sound and like their style, it's they're they're rappers who are Christian. Yeah. It's not Christian rappers. They're not Christian. I mean, they were a little bit more like that in the early, but now it's just like cause they, they can pack a stadium. I mean. And they get crap about it. Like, oh, you're not you're not a super hard. You're not preaching the gospel in every single song. Exactly. Well, you know what? Jesus didn't either. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, no. I had to actually uh, unlike, and I like what they're doing, but Rapzilla, I had to unlike them on social media because all the people who comment on stuff were just so, they were like the Pharisees. Never read the comments. Oh, my goodness. Dude, they're like the <laughs> On Pharisees. any YouTube video, and if you if you listen to different sermons or by different pastors that you really respect or sure. preachers, like, don't read the comments because yeah. people will just tear those people apart. Oh, my goodness. And I, I, my wife and I actually were on a show last year at this time and it was a cable tv show um i'm not going to mention the person's name who interviewed us but basically he just wanted to pick a fight the whole time and then in the comments people just tore us apart and just called us fake christians and all the all sorts of stuff and i don't know i don't know why you know you get in a whole debate about that well they they, i mean they think that we're heretics because we want to love people well (laughs) isn't that ridiculous (laughs) It's just God, Jesus preaches love when you actually act on it. It's like, oh my God. Well, yeah. What did really? he preach on the Sermon on the Mount? Did he tell people that he was going to die on a cross for your sins? No. Right. He didn't. The Sermon on the Mount, you know, right. is, is nothing about that. Mm-hmm. And and a lot of times he didn't tell anyone what was going to, like, he would mention it every sure. once in a while. He's, he, you know, he said, he, he mentioned to people that he was going to die. And, sure. And go to heaven and mm-hmm. send the Holy Spirit and sure. and rise again on the third day. Like right. he would mention that, but it wasn't the the kingdom of God is near. That's that's what he preached mm-hmm. everywhere he went. Sure. And uh, anyways, no, you're good. And you wanna, no, I want to interject on. here and say that uh, I'm sorry if this like this dies on me eventually. I think it'll be good for the podcast, but. There may be a possibility for those listening that uh, I'll, I may have to replace the batteries. <laughs> uh, maybe like in the podcast, but I don't know. I think we should be good. Uh, but yeah, sorry. I, I think it'll be good. But uh, yeah, I, I told on with another question. No, no, no. I want to keep on this. I just I should have brought batteries. I, I have I some. Have up to in, get some. I have. It some just in my it, apartment. it takes about like three AA batteries. But uh, I have some. Yeah, I'm. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so we can we could also just pause it and then. Uh, oh no, I think it should be good. I I want to keep okay. the, I, the flows going, man. I'm loving this, but uh, but I just want to give like you a warning. Okay. So if I'm like, oh crap, Josh, there yeah. You go. Um, and I'm gonna leave this. In. I don't care. I love it. It's it's raw. It's un unedited, uncut. Um, it, it's okay with you. <laughs> but uh, yeah. Oh yeah. So about the whole love thing. When I when I left my church, I was just reading super deep into scriptures, but I was also reading a lot into near death experiences. Um, mm-hmm. And th- I mean, during they call it like the life review, but th- the common thread to almost all of them was, "What is life about?" And they said, "To love and be loved." There's a lot to unpack there, but that's it. Like we're not meant to worship materials. We're not meant to. Mm-hmm. It's to love people and to be loved. 
yeah. to love God. And because we, within loving people and loving yourself, you are, it's an act of worship towards God. That's the that's first commandment. And that's the you first know? commandment. Love, love God with all your heart, mind, soul, mm-hmm. body, and strength and, and love your neighbor as yourself. Sure. That's, you know, yeah. that's it. Yeah. Every, it he, and he said like all of the law, which is like hundreds of commandments and laws. Sure. He said all of it can be summed up in that. Mm-hmm. Love yeah. your neighbor. Yeah. And we have such a hard time doing it. <laughs> it's so hard to love people well. See, you think about it. Don't you, don't you feel that way? It's so hard to love everyone. Love people well. Yeah. Like to love, you know, like my wife and I have been going out every Friday morning, uh, for a year now, um, and giving coffee to the homeless mm. and we brew like two big 30, 30 cups of coffee, uh, containers. So you're doing craft coffee too, so, right? Uh, we're doing switched coffee here in St. Yeah, Louis. Dude. It's a local roaster. Um, you're killing, you're giving good coffee. Too, yeah. Just folders. No, <laughs> no. From the beginning I was like, I drink like blueprint, sump, like nice Ooh. coffee. And so I'm like, I don't want to give homeless people like folders, the bottom of the barrel. Dude. And actually a pastor, a uh, friend of ours said, I want to sponsor you coffee because he likes switch. So he started purchasing the coffee for us. Well, and people donated our coffee urns that brew 30, um, 30 cups each. And so we go out there with 60 cups of coffee and creamer and sugar. And, and a lot of it was self-funded. A lot of it start, people started giving money to us. Mm. And, and then when it started getting warmer, uh, at the beginning of this year, we were like, we can't just do coffee. So we started doing like 70 Gatorade, 70 waters. Wow. Um, yeah, because it's more f- than just a cup of coffee. Like, some some fruit um, yeah. and some uh, like granola bars and stuff. And sure. really it's about making friendships with people and yeah, getting yeah. to pray with people. Oh, yeah. And we're not preaching at people. Like once we have a relationship with them, we can share our faith. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of times we just pray for their needs. A lot of people there, you know, homeless people are needy people because they've got a hard life. Sure. And so we just like to pray with them. And, and a lot of people feel the peace and mm. comfort of the Holy spirit. Right. And, but, but like, even then what I was getting at is like, we've been doing that for almost a year, but I realized how it's, it's so hard to love people. Well, like a lot mm-hmm. of times they annoy me. Sure. A lot of times, <laughs> you know, I get tired of it and they've asked me for, give me a couple bucks, give me a couple, you know, for a year straight. And then, or, or, and then you see them on drugs and you just gave them, you know, and it's like, how do I I love, how do I love this people? Yeah. Tough tough love is good. It's still love. Yeah. And, and a lot of times we've had to do that. Um, but also just like, yeah, I mean, just loving people well and then loving your enemy is something Ooh, that yeah. is even harder, you know, like to love your enemy is what Jesus said. Like even, even the pagans can love their friends. Right. I'm calling mm. you to love your enemy. Now, how do we do that? You know, like, you know, with a lot of discipline, po- that's a, the, the, with a lot of political stuff. Like there's a program also that my wife and I were part of for a couple months um, called the Good Neighbor uh, sure. program here in St. Louis. It's out of this ministry called Oasis International. And they they connect you with a refugee family, and you get to go into the refugee family's house and befriend Ooh. them because I think the statistic is like 10% of all refugees that come to America, only 10% be, become befriended by an American family. Ooh. 90% of them will never meet 
So they're pretty ancillary. They just end up meeting other like refugees yeah. and they become friends with the refugees sure. and they speak their own language. But no, mm. no American families try to even reach out. And it is hard. Like the family we were with was uh, an Iraqi family. Sure. And they didn't speak hardly any English, yeah. only like the younger kids did. And but we went, we would go over to their house uh-huh. um, from time to time and and just hang out and just let them know, like you know, you're welcome in our country. We love you, and God loves and, you, and God loves you. And um, but yeah, those are those are our quote unquote enemies. You know, it's mm. like the people that we've had a war with for ten well, years. Just like, like with any religion, man, just. People tend to fall. It's like, okay, not just religion, but also like cities. People, okay, yeah, St. Louis per capita is the most dangerous, but you can't hate the entire city like that. Yeah. It's certain, it's like two neighborhoods or whatever, and it's usually gang related. Same with any religion. It's like, just because there's extremists in every religion, that doesn't, doesn't mean, mean they're all bad. Yeah. You know? That's true. Yeah, wait, I'm trying to think. Oh, never mind. The, uh, we used to do, me and my buddy and our friends, we used to do Hor- the Horizon Homeless Shelter. I forget what street that is. Hmm. I thought it was Oasis. It used to be two locations. It used to be uh, Hopeville or the tent the tent camp thing. Yeah. We used to go down there by the levee. Tent City. Tent City. That's what, that actually my uh, my film is screening with that uh, film. Uh, is it back there? I, I no, remember some. No, it's, a, it, it's been, a, the, the film was made a couple years ago okay um but my it's screening at the st louis international film festival oh, so and cool. my film is screening with it um oh that's so neat so yeah that that film uh is called living in tents um that's the one you just no like that's pool. the film that uh my film the, my film is called the man behind the murfords Ooh. and it's about a street artist in st louis who paints this character Murford, a bearded character, but with yeah. slogans of hope and love and peace <laughs> all so over cool. the city. And so my film is screening at the St. Louis International Film Festival this wow. Sunday at 1 p.m. at the Zach, dot Zach. Dot Zach. Yeah. Is this a theater? It's uh, one of the locations that Sliff is using. They oh, have okay. like eight or nine. Yeah, they got like they Tivoli got a, and yeah, all that they've stuff. They've got the Tivoli. They've got a bunch of different places. Wow. See, you get some more reasons why St. Louis, like, if you just actually dive into it, it's actually a pretty neat city. Like, yeah. Um, and this is just like a side note. I was in Chicago and I went to the art museum there. I'm like, I can't justify paying $20 here. <laughs> Where Slam's free. And Slam's awesome, dude. Like, yeah. There's so many cool amenities that St. Louis has. Cam, uh, the Contemporary Art Museum, that's free. I get to go there. Like, there's, uh, and then right next door to that, um, is another like art gallery that's free. Um, wow. So that's crazy. Yeah, I've yet to go to Cam. I actually, you know what? I I hate to say, it, but sometimes I kind of scoff at like the super minimalist modern art. It just if it's like a dot on a canvas, I'm like, that's not art. Yeah, that's I'm lazy. not. I'm not. So like one thing that I really like ascribe to is like the head, the heart and the hand. Mm. So what I mean by that is like, you need to have a good concept head. Yeah. You know, thought process behind the art. You need, you need to have good emotional, like it needs to Mm. hit your emotions. It needs to use the heart. It needs to, you need to be believing. You need to believe in the project. And then the hand, that's Mm. the technique. That's that's the, the tool. That's the, like you need to have good control over the tools, whether that's painting or, or sure. filmmaking or photography, mm-hmm. like 
that's getting the right exposure, getting the right, sure. you know, uh, shutter speed, all those mm. kind of things like getting the right technique, uh, when it comes to painting yeah. or drawing. And so I, I always like think of that, like, does this piece use a good head, heart and hand, Ooh. or does it only wow. have, so with that contemporary art, you okay. said it's more just maybe they're only using the heart. Sure. There's not that or there's Ooh. not that much concept behind it. There's not much technique behind it, but they're oh. like, I'm going to try to evoke an emotion. Sure. Well, that's no, good, uh, but it's not all three. No, and I'm, I like art with all three. Exactly. Um, so I guess in that, I typically go towards like imp- impressionism, the impressionism era, but also the, uh, the Renaissance era. I think that's, that's a better, the version. best art in my opinion, but, but I like going to modern art museums because my horizons are expanded on, on what an art experience or what art can be. It's I think more it's helpful also if you like wear some headphones in like a modern art museum and like mm-hmm. the music kind of, I think music can kind of bring out a little bit more thoughts. Oh, and, yeah. and so like when you're looking at a piece and, and your mind is just blank and you're kind of like, I don't really understand sure. this or I'm not getting anything from this. What is the artist even saying? Or, you know, this doesn't speak to me, but you add a little sure. music Ooh. and your brain, I think, starts going and then you can uh, you can yeah. actually start feeling something from the art. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. 